I'm going to invite you to find your way back to your seat. Isn't it great to linger in prayer? Come on, it's so good. So good. We're going to, we, we do that throughout the whole year. Uh, it's, it's, it's part of who we are at City Life, and we want to be able to teach on prayer, but then we also just want to have times where we can come and just be in prayer. So, hey, how about that spoken word that David Godwin did? Come on, can we just say, so good. So he wrote that, and for him to be able to share that with us, and then Penny Jordan, that word that she had that just God gave, gave to her. It's one of the reasons why at all of our campuses we do live teaching and live worship because we, we want to be able to have the freedom uh, to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit in the service. And so we don't want to be, we do planning and we pray over that planning, but then when we get into the moment, we want to be able to flow with what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing. And so thank you, Penny, for coming and sharing with that. So I want to I teach on hope for a few minutes. I was I tell you, I was, when I was worshiping over here, I was, I was reminded, because we have signals, you know, for the, the band, for when we want to come up and when this is going to be the last song, because sometimes there's more songs that are, there's all kinds, of, it's like baseball, right? There's all kinds of hand signals. And, and so I was over there worshiping and I was doing this because God was just speaking to me about that, that uh, verse about that when you delight yourself in him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And so I was just praying over myself that I only want to delight in him because when we delight in him, he's the source of our desires, right? So I was just, as Penny was, you know, just doing what Penny was, I was prophesying over my own life. But then I realized this is the signal for stop singing the song because I have something that I want to share, right? So I'm just doing this, doing this, doing, and I look up and Tara's staring at me like, what do, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So sorry, Tara. I don't know where Tara is. So that's my bad. I have to worship without doing the hand signals. Right? I don't, so anyways, just a little commentary. So hey, if you're visiting with us, this is an out-of-the-ordinary service, but we would love to know that you were here. So there's some next step cards there uh, in the pews all around. And so we'd love for you to fill that out, give it back to us. It gives us a chance just to follow up and uh, say hello. Nobody's going to show up at your house or uh, you're not going to go on any type of mailing list. You'll get a welcome letter and some phone calls from us. So we would love to... Uh, know that you were here. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm talking about hope tonight. And so I'm going to talk about anchors, and, and you're going to figure out why that is. But So I was digging through some pictures on my computer because we're boaters, as many of you know, and we've been boating for a long time now, for over a decade. And, and so I wanted to find a, some pictures of some anchors that I have, and I couldn't find any, but I did find a picture of the first boat we ever bought. It's a little 18-foot, I know, come on, thank you, thank you. This is a little, it's a little 135 horsepower, right? It's barely enough power to just get the family down the river. So we bought that. It was actually down here in Portsmouth. It was a fixer-upper. Again, we bought that about over 10 years ago. So, but then I found, I found some pictures of my kids 10 years ago, right? So you know them now as 16 and 14 and soon to be 13. This is them when they were 6 and 4 and 2. Are you ready for this? All right, here's the, here's the next one. So this is me. I had hair. I just had to work this one in, just so you know there was a time, and I actually had sideburns. But guess, look at that, right? So this is us cruising down the James. It was one of the first times we took the boat out. All right, I'll take the next one. There you go. <laughs> Ethan, yeah, I know, right? So all right, let's look at the next one. Here's Derek. Isn't that great? That's his angry face, just in case you didn't recognize it, right? So I think that's his, you can't take these chips from me face also, because we're serious about our snacks. All right, here's, let's, let's, this is Claire. 
Oh, there she is right there. Wait me here, Claire. I know. She's, she's like, stop it. The boys were at the Williamsburg campus tonight, so they didn't know we were going to show these. So this is great. So there's guys. Right, so let's go to the next one. So this is Claire driving the boat. Derek's still eating the chips. He's not letting those things go. All right. Let's uh, give me another one. Look at that. Ethan striking the pose. Got the rope in his hand. All right. Claire again, got the laugh going. All right, let's keep going. Do another one. There you go. Look at that. Come on. Stop it, right? Is that not the best ever? Somebody should take a picture of that post and tag the boys on Instagram because they don't know. This is great, right? This is what you do when you're a father and you have teenagers. You embarrass them, right? This is part of parenting. So take some notes. All right, let me you can take the next one. So, so I couldn't find any pictures of the actual anchors that, that we have. We typically use that mushroom anchor or the Danforth anchor. There's, there's different kinds of anchors for different kinds of boats, for different kinds of situations and circumstances based on the kind of water that you're in, the, the riverbed. There's, there's, you, you've got to have the right tool for the right job. But it's not just about getting the right anchor. It's also there's some things that have to go along with that anchor. Because if you don't have the chain and the rope to go with the anchor, how many of you know then the anchor is just litter? Right? Throw the anchor over. Okay. Why are we still moving? And they got the rope in your hand, right? So the rope's important. So let's show that. So there's, a, there's all kinds of calculations that you've got to do for the length of the rope. The diameter of the rope is based on the length of the boat. And so all of this goes, so when people talk about the anchor, they're not just talking about the actual device. They're talking about everything that goes into the purpose of an anchor. And the purpose of an anchor is simply this, to keep us from moving in an unintended direction. The purpose of an anchor is to keep us from moving in an unintended direction. And the dimension of the vessel determines the size of the anchor. The dimensions of the vessel determines the size of the anchor. Hebrews 6, 18 to 20. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So here it comes. The dimensions of your destiny, the magnitude of your purpose necessitates a hope that is big enough to keep you from moving in an unintended direction. Let me share that again. The dimensions of your destiny, the magnitude of your purpose, necessitates a hope that is big enough to keep you from moving in an unintended direction. So let's talk for a few minutes about hope, how hope is formed in our lives. Because we don't just don't want to talk about what hope is, because the idea is that we need hope in us. And the Bible tells us some very specific things about how hope is formed in our hearts. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this, and not only this, this is the New American Standard. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, which means we celebrate when we suffer. Now, I know we don't want to, but this is Paul saying to the church of Rome, inspired by the Holy Spirit, we've got to learn to celebrate in our suffering. Why? This is what he says. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. Proven character, hope. And hope does not 
disappoint. And then he goes on to talk about one of the reasons why we should be hopeful because of the, God has given us the Holy Spirit. So let me read you this little phrase again. Tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance brings about proving character. And proving character brings about hope. So I was studying and praying over this verse this week, and I've always just seen this verse as a series of events that are connected to each other. There's suffering, that suffering produces in me perseverance, perseverance produces in me character, and then character produces in me hope. Now, I think that's true, but I think part of what I saw this week, which I had not seen before, is that there's a subtle play on words that's happening here. Is that when we go through difficult times, there is a virtue in my life that is forged, and that virtue is perseverance. Perseverance is one of the 24 virtues that we teach on here at City Life that's part of our discipleship model. So when perseverance as a virtue is forged and formed in me because of suffering and difficult times, like what Steve Ruggiero was praying there at the end, it's during the days that we would prefer to forget in 2016, but for some of us, those are the days that we needed because those days forged a virtue perseverance in us that would otherwise be missing. Now the reason why, this is what I began to see this week, the reason why character is in the list because character is virtue. When, when you are a person of character, it's because you're a virtuous person. If you don't have virtues in your life, then you're not a person of character. So the reason why Paul writes here that perseverance produces character is because the only way that character can be on the rise in my life is when virtue is on the rise in my life. So when perseverance is on the rise in my life, of course my character is on the rise because virtue is what comprises character. And then what he says, he comes back to another virtue. So what, is, what are we learning? It means that when I suffer, the virtue of perseverance is forged in me. And when pers perseverance is on the rise, because it's a virtue, my character is on the rise. And when my character is on the rise, because of perseverance that's forged in me because of suffering, it produces something in me called hope, which is a virtue unto itself. You and I, as we look back over 2016, there are probably some difficult times that we would prefer that would not have happened to us. And what God says to you, no, 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 no. You needed those things to happen to you. Because it produced in you perseverance, which gave you character. And then the perseverance in you that caused your character to rise made an environment in you that was fertile for hope to grow. And you need hope to grow because you need an anchor for your soul. Because if you don't have the anchor of hope operating in your life, you're going to find yourself drifting in unintended directions. It's going to cause you to drift away from the God-intended purpose that he created you for. The, the magnitude of your destiny, right? The size of your purpose necessitates a hope that is big enough to keep you and me from moving in an unintended direction, which is why Paul says here in Romans, we celebrate in our suffering. Not because we're masochistic as Christians. We celebrate in our suffering because we understand what's going to be produced in us and that ultimately what is produced in us is the hope that is the anchor for my soul that I don't find myself drifting in this life. Hope. What about the Old Testament? Anything in there about hope? In the Hebrew language, there are over 10 words for hope, each having a subtle emphasis that's a little bit different from the other. There's waiting, there's expecting, there's trusting, there's confidence, there's refuge, there's a childlike outlook. 
And then there's just the everyday, ordinary hopefulness. One of the words in Hebrew shares with the word cord, which means that in the Hebrew language, if they're using the word cord, it would be the same word for one of the words for hope. It would be the same for hope. And so the context of the conversation would help you understand which one is being referred to. Let me give you an example. This is in Joshua 2, 17 to 18. So this is Joshua, right? They're coming into the promised land. They've got to go through Jericho. It's, it's one of the cities that has to fall in order for them to take the rest of the land, which is God has called them to do. So they've sent spies, right, into the city to try to figure out what they're up against. And there's a prostitute that's in that city by the name of Rahab who helps and hides the spies when they're discovered. So the men said to her, we shall be free from this oath to you which you have made us swear which is this she said i'll hide you but when your army comes in i can see that god is with you and our city falls to you you've got to protect our family and so they said we're, they made an oath they, they they promised her and they said but the only way that we're going to know it's you is you've got to mark your house with a cord Verse 18, unless when we come into the land, you tie this cord, which is the same word for hope, of scarlet thread in the window, which you let us down from, and gather to yourself into the house, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Does anyone know, want to take a guess of where the word hope first appears in the Bible? How about Genesis? Any takers? As you're looking through the Bible, Anybody think that hope, the word hope appears in Genesis? Any takers? All right, all right, all right. It's not in Genesis. How about Exodus? Any takers? Any takers? How about Leviticus? Come on. Most people say, of course there's no word for hope in Leviticus, because when I'm reading through the Bible in the year, I always give up there, right? All right, Genesis, Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, right? No, not there. Numbers, anybody? Any takers? Deuteronomy? All right, yeah, we've got to take Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. So we're five books into the Bible. Hope's a pretty important word, right? Five books in, the word hope does not appear. Not one time. Not any of the over ten words in the Hebrew that, that, that mean hope. None of them. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. How about Joshua? Now we know the word cord appears, but it appears as the word cord, not as hope, right? Not there. Judges, seven books in. Anybody? Any takers? Judges? Surely by now it should be in there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Guess where it comes? Ruth. Nice. Which I'm glad it comes there because those are the only eight that I have memorized. I'm done after that. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, wow, he knows all of them. Oh, just the first eight. That's what I got. Ruth. It's the eight books in. There's something called the law of first mention for biblical interpretation that how it appears first in the Bible is given to us by God to help us to understand the rest. Oh, this is good. Come on. People always say, how was the sermon? I say, it was great. I don't know what anybody else thought, but I thought it was fantastic. Ruth 1, 12 through 13, New American Standard. Return my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, there it is, first time, all the Bible, right there. If I said I have hope, 
I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons. Would you therefore for wait until they're grown, right? Her husband's died, Naomi. Her husband has died. Her two sons have died. So these are the two widows of her two sons. So she's saying, even if I could, could have children and they could grow up and then possibly become your husbands, it could never happen. What she's saying, my situation is hopeless. The first time the word hope appears in the Bible, it's actually in contradiction to the experience of hope because her situation is hopeless. Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you. For the hand, listen to this, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. Wow. This is the first time the word hope appears in the Bible. Over 10 words in the Hebrew language. And you know which one it is? It's the one for cord. You know why that is? Because if you're familiar with the story of Ruth, you know that Boaz becomes her kinsman redeemer. Now, that's another sermon for another time, which, which really what it means is that he rescued her, redeemed her life so that she could now once again have purpose. She became, he became her, her husband. You know who Boaz is? He is the son of Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the prostitute from the story of, of, of Joshua where the word cord appears in the Bible is the same word where hope is given to us the first time, which is in the book of Ruth. And in the book of Ruth, she marries Boaz, who is the son of Rahab. And this is another sermon for another time. These are Jesus' ancestors. His, this is his line. Well, why is all that in there? What's this law of first mention all about? It's about Romans chapter 5. Even though Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, doesn't refer back to this, you know this is what he's thinking of because he knew the Word of God. A Pharisee. He would have memorized, in order to become a, a, a teacher, a Pharisee, in his day and time, not just the list of the Old Testament, Every chapter and verse. Genesis to Malachi. All of it by heart. You don't think when the Holy Spirit was inspiring him to write this letter to the church of Rome. And he's talking about celebrating in our suffering which produces in us perseverance. Which brings character. Which then hope is born in us. That he's not thinking about this story. You don't think that Paul doesn't know that the first time in the Hebrew Scriptures that hope is even mentioned is in the story of Ruth? Because he understands the reality of the situation that they lived through when you read these stories is that their situation more often than not was hopeless. When Joshua, they went in to battle against Jericho, right? They were, it was a hopeless situation, but God overcame. When you read the story of Naomi and Ruth and their circumstance and their situation, she even tells us what her situation was in case we missed it. That She said, even God himself, it seems that he is against me. There is a suffering and an enduring and a tribulation that you and I are going to be asked to endure in this life. It's been that way from the beginning of time. Not because God forgets us. Not because God doesn't care. Not because God is, is, is powerless in the circumstance because it's even too much for him. It's not because he's busy helping someone else. It's because he's given you and I a gift. And that gift is difficult times. 
Because the difficult times produce in us perseverance. And because perseverance is a virtue, my character begins to grow. And as my character begins to flourish because of the perseverance that's forged in me, because of suffering, it creates fertile ground for hope to be formed in my heart. And you and I are desperate for that hope because it is the anchor of our soul. My character is on the rise because there is a virtue in me on the rise. And Ruth tells us that when this particular virtue of perseverance is on the rise because of suffering, my character grows all the more because now hope is formed in me, the anchor of my soul. I'm going to invite the band's going to come back up. And as they're coming, let me share these thoughts with you. So, do you think it's a coincidence that the Holy Spirit inspired the writer of Hebrews to refer to hope as the anchor of our soul? And then in the book of Hebrews, and then in the language of Hebrew, the one word for hope that is shared with another word is the word for cord. Right? You tracking with me? He, the writer of Hebrews, and we don't know who wrote Hebrews. We know the Holy Spirit wrote it, but we don't know who they used, who he used. Right? He gives us this word, hope. And he says this hope is an anchor to my soul. And then in the the context of the whole Bible that this word points to is the first time that hope is ever mentioned in the Bible, which is this idea that hope is also a cord. What does that mean? It means that hope tethers me to the purposes of God that he has created me for. And the size of your destiny, the size of your purpose necessitates a hope that is big enough to keep you from moving in an unintended direction. Romans 4.18 says this, Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of nations because that's what God told him would happen. Listen to it in the King James. I love this. Who against hope believed in hope. Against hope? Believed in hope? What is that? It means his circumstances were so terrible that anybody from the outside looking in would have said to him, not even hope is enough. Not not even hope is enough. Who against hope believed in hope. What, what, what What does that mean? Abraham was saying back to them, oh, no, no, no. You don't understand the kind of hope that I have because of who my hope is in. He had a purpose, a divine destiny. And that destiny necessitated a hope that was big enough to be an anchor for him, to keep him from moving in an unintended direction. You take everything after Abraham out of history and jump back to this moment when none of what we know and celebrate now, the Bible, the Word of God, and Jesus our Savior, the, oh, everything we believe, right? None of that existed. It was all tied up in a destiny that was connected to a man who needed hope to be the anchor of his soul. You have a destiny that's tied to your life. 10 years from now, a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, if Jesus hasn't come back, there's something that's supposed to be in this world that traces itself back to you. The question is, on the days that are hard, when we're suffering, will we give up? Or will we say, no, 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 come on, Lord, I celebrate in the suffering. 
I celebrate in my pain. I celebrate in this time of tribulation because I know that perseverance is going to be forged in my heart and my character is going to begin to rise and hope is going to be birthed in me because you're growing the size of my anchor to keep me from moving in an unintended direction that my destiny calls me to. Stand with me, Father. As we step out of this year and into 2017, we believe that you are speaking this word over our lives, and it's the word hope. And I pray that every person in here tonight, as they wake up tomorrow in a new year, that they would have a new sense of purpose, that they would have a, a, a sense of a divine destiny that's been given to them. And whenever they face a difficult day, they're going to say, oh, come on, I'm not giving up. God's making my anchor bigger. He's making my anchor bigger to keep me from moving in an unintended direction. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship.